Uh, we're starting a new series today that will be uh, six weeks, I think, um, and uh, carry us into the Advent season. Um, but before we jump into the sermon today, I'd love to just pray for us as we start uh, this time together. So uh, pray with me. Father, thank you that uh, we can be here today uh, in the middle of, um, just in the middle of our, well, in the beginning of our weeks, is that we can spend time here listening to uh, your word and listening to your voice. And I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds to, to hear from you, God. Uh, I know that you want to speak to each of us here today, so I ask that you would do that and uh, that your word would be clear and that it would be helpful and it would show us who you are and, and who we are to be. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So life in the world that we live is, is difficult, right? I mean, life is challenging. Life is hard. Um, and we experience kind of life's difficulty at a lot of, at a lot of different levels. We experience life's difficulty uh, just kind of internally, right? There's feelings that we have of maybe guilt or shame or identity issues that we kind of experience, kind of a, a brokenness inside our own selves. We, we experience the difficulty of life with, with other people. Uh, maybe even this week you had some drama, you had some relational issues, you had some kind of conflict with somebody. Um, if you didn't, then you should uh, you know, teach us all how, how you did that. Uh, that would be great to hear from you. Um, and you could, you'd probably say the way I did it is I suppressed everything in bitterness, and, and that maybe that wouldn't be exactly what we're looking for. But uh, but you probably experience you know conflict socially, right, with with other with other people. So we experience kind of a, a brokenness in ourselves and and with other people, and, and even with God, right? We experience kind of problems with God that maybe you're not a Christian and you're not sure what you believe, but but you might have some issues with God. You might have some kind of some tensions with God, or or maybe you're a Christian and you've got doubts and or you even got things that you know that God says to do and you're not sure you want to do or you're, you wrestle with God in prayer about certain things and, and we experience kind of tension and friction with, with God and, and, and we see that kind of just in our lives but in the world too, right? And I know the news is you know, the news is built on sharing bad things. But, I mean, if you just, you know, log into your favorite news site, I mean, all, all the headlines pretty much are bad. You know, there's not a lot of headlines that just say, hey, there's a really happy thing that happened today. And you're like, oh, I'm going to click on that. Like, that's that's not really w what happens. Mo most of all the stuff is this person died in a tragic thing and a crocodile ate this person and, and this thing happened. And, I mean, it's just like horrible things that you're just like, man, we just live in a world that is broken, right? And has a lot of, a lot of pain in it. It and a lot of a drama in it, a lot of difficulty in it. And we feel, we feel inside, man, the world shouldn't be like this, right? We feel, whether you look at it in your life or you look at the, the headlines in the news or you look at kind of what's happening in our world, we feel, man, the world shouldn't be like this. It should be better. We should experience something more than what is happening right now. And, and the Bible would actually say that, that we're right about that. The Bible would say that, that you're right, that it, the world shouldn't be this way, that, that the way that you experience conflict in your life and pain in your life and, and the way that we experience it in the world with all the injustices and, and evil in our world, I mean, the way that we, it shouldn't be that way. We feel that. And the Bible says, you're right, that's not the way that God intended it. Here, here's what the Bible says. It says, God created man, this is the very beginning, in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and, and subdue it. And, and this is God's intention for the world. It says God made the world and then he blessed it. 
Which is to say that God's intention for the world is that it is blessed, that it experiences blessing, that it experiences joy, that what God's heart is for the world is blessing. That's what God wants, and yet that's not what we experience, right? We experience in our lives and in the world around us a world that is filled with brokenness and a world that is filled with pain. And, and the Bible says that came because this was, we read this in the very you know, beginning chapter, but just a couple chapters later, the Bible talks about man and woman turning from God. They disobey God. They say, I would rather be in the place of God. They say, and we do the same thing all the time, right? That we say, man, I would, we might not say it with our words, but we say, man, I think I know better. And, and life would be better if I was in charge. Life would be better if I was in control. And the Bible tells this story of man and woman turning from God's blessing and instead saying, we think that we know better. And instead what happens is the world is then put under a curse where we start to experience all the brokenness that we feel, all the breakdown in relationships, all the breakdown internally, all the breakdown with, with God, that that is what takes place instead of the blessing that God originally intended the world for. So, what is God going to do about that? What is God going to do about it? I mean, if you maybe, maybe you look around the world sometimes and you actually even ask that question to yourself, is like, God going to do anything about this? Or maybe you ask it in your life and say, man, is it just going to be like this? Or is God going to do anything about this? Or what, what does God think about this? Or what's God's plan with this? Or does God care about this? Or what's God's heart for this? I mean, you, you might think about it in the world or just in your life, but the, the, we know it's not supposed to be like this, but what's God going to do about it? What, what's his intention? What's his heart? That's, that's what we're going to explore Today And so we start with this question, which is just, what is God's purpose in the world now? So the world is not experiencing what God intended it to experience. So what's God's purpose? What, what's he going to do? What's his, another way you could say this is, what's his mission? When I use the word purpose, I think, think about for your life, if you, if you think about like, what's my purpose in life? So what's God's purpose in life? What's God's purpose in this world now that we look around and experience all the brokenness and all the pain, what's, what's God's purpose? Well, here's what happens in the book of Genesis again that we were looking at. You've got God creating the world and it's blessed. And then you've got man and woman turning from God and experiencing this curse. And then from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Genesis chapter 11, it just kind of plays out. And you can go home and read it later. It just kind of plays out all the different ways that this brokenness starts to happen. You see it in relationships that start to crumble. You see it in injustice that starts to happen. You see it in people that want to make themselves great. And you see it in kind of all, all sorts of, you know, murder and all, I mean, all, all family division, all sorts of stuff that just begins to crumble in chapters 3 through 11. And then you get to Genesis chapter 12, and God starts to say, what his purpose is going to be, what he's going to do about all of this. And, and here's what he says. He, he grabs a man named Abraham. And Abraham is somebody, if you're a church person, you've, you've probably heard his name before. You may have even, depending on where you came from or how churchy you were, or sang a song about him being your father and all that kind of stuff. Um, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's great, you know, and maybe it's even better for you. Um, uh, but he grabs this guy named Abraham and, and he says... Um, he, 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 and Abraham's a nobody. He's, he's just a part of these kind of pagan religions that are now existing, and he, he's nobody. And God grabs him, and he tells him that he's going to do something with him. And it really gives us God's purpose in the world. And, and here's what he says. He says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country. So leave. 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God gives us his purpose once again. What is it? It's to bring blessing back to the world again. He grabs Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless you. And then through you, all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. God says, look, my plan, I originally create the world to be blessed and it's broken and it's cursed. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you and through you once again, all the world will experience blessing. That God's promise, God's purpose in this world is to bring blessing into the world, which is to destroy the cause to destroy the cause of the curse that we've experienced, which is sin, and to destroy all the effects of it. Now, now this is important because when we hear the word blessing, when we hear, hey, God wants to bless the world, or if you hear God wants to bless you, what do you think of? I mean, blessing is kind of a religious sort of, just kind of feel-good sounding word. Uh, You know, if you go on Twitter and put in hashtag blessed, which is, you know, kind of a popular sort of passe hashtag now. But this is just somebody, I don't know who he is. Maybe he's here today. Who knows? But uh, he, he says, blessed to receive my first offer from McPherson College, fire, hands, hashtag, I don't know what the fire is, you know, but maybe he's on fire or something, but hashtag blessed. Okay. So it's like, hey, something good happened in my life, right? I, I, I make the football team. I'm on fire. Hashtag blessed. Uh, this person says, having people who will always support you, hashtag blessed, heart, right? I mean, just, hey, you got people in your life that are there for you, blessed. Or this person, Taylor Pope, uh, says, I don't know who that is, but I really hope one day, sometimes I do this, that someone's like, that's me, you know? (laughs) I'm Taylor Pope. Um, Says, thank God, capitalized, thank God for coffee shops with good tunes, Pray hands, blessed. So if you ever walk into a coffee shop, you know, that it's just like kind of some of these little things in life, right? These little things. Um, or uh, this person, this is a little snarky, but I liked it, uh, says, if someone tweets, stay safe at you during a hurricane, feel free to reply to them with how much money you need to do so. Or that you are about to walk into the eye of the storm, but thank God for their tweet. It stopped you in your tracks. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Okay, and then this last one uh, says, who's trying to bless me with these? Uh, <laughs> which I agree, who's trying to bless me with these, you know? <clears throat> and and this, is, this is kind of what we think of when we think of blessed, right? Just kind of these little things in life. And, and that's kind of the, so if I say, look, God's plan for the world is to bless it. Like what, is, we go, okay. So what is it, like it's plans the world's good, good music and coffee shops and some Reese's peanut butter cups. And I mean, we go, Is that what we mean when we say God's plan for the world is to bless it? Is that what it meant when God's original design was he took man and woman and said, you're blessed? Is is that what we're talking about? But let me show you just kind of a few things of some people smarter than I am that that are scholars that kind of go through the Bible's theology of blessing and kind of say, here's what it means when the Bible talks about blessing, because the Bible uses that word a lot. So here's kind of a few things I'll give you. So throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the concept of blessing primarily is related to the situation people enjoy as a result of God's gracious, kind, and generous action 
on their behalf. So God's grace and his kindness and his generosity that God gives to people. Uh, in the scripture, the word means much more than just being happy. Above all, it means having God's approval and his goodwill directed towards persons. So God's approval and his, his goodness directed towards people. Or finally, this one says, in relation to humanity, to be blessed is to be one of God's own people with all the benefits that that brings. In other words, the blessing of God is his relational presence in one's life. So what is God's purpose in the world? It is to bless the world, but we have to understand what the Bible means by blessed, which is more than Reese's, and although I'm sure it includes that, but it's more than Reese's and more than coffee shop music. When God says he wants to bless the world, it means that he wants his very presence, his very presence to be in your life. It means that he wants his grace and his approval and his goodwill towards you to surround you, that you would be surrounded in his presence in your life. That's what it means when God says that he wants to bless the world, when God says that his mission in the world with Abraham is to bless the world. It means that he wants people to live their lives knowing his approval. Think about that. He wants people to live their lives knowing, I love you. I mean, what, what if God were to bless you, Think about how much better, look, I love, I mean, honestly, I love those Reese's peanut butter cup things, so, but, but think about how much better it is if you were to live your life just with the reality of knowing, man, God loves me and approves of me, meaning approves, you know, what does that mean? Like he's delighted in me, that he, that God is, that his heart is for me, his grace is coming towards me, his goodwill, his, his relational presence so that relational presence is better even than just presence because you think of presence sometimes if we talk about God's presence even, it's like, oh, it's just sort of this mist or something that, yeah, I feel God's presence. Like, what is I don't know what it means. It's just like a fog or something. But his relational presence means like he's there. He's with me. And he's putting his goodness towards me and his grace towards me and his approval. Like, that is blessed, right? And that's what God wants for you. God wants for you to experience that in your life. What if you woke up every day living in that and experiencing that? That's blessed. God says he wants that for you and for all the families of the world to live knowing his grace, his goodness, his affection, his approval. That's, that's his heart for the world. Imagine the world living in that Imagine your life living in that. That is what God's purpose is in the world. So then we have to ask the question, so how is God going to do that? How is God going to accomplish that purpose? He, he grabs Abraham and he says, through you, all the families of the world will be blessed. And, and, and it's important to kind of look at that verse again, because here's what God is saying. He says, I will make of you, this is the same promise we looked at, I will make of you a great nation. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So this is telling us how God is going to accomplish that purpose. It's not just through Abraham being a really good person. What does he say he's going to do? He's going to take Abraham and make him into a community. 
make him into a great nation. So he says, I'm going to bless you. I will bless you. And through you, then I will make you a giant community, a nation. I will make you a community of blessing so that you will be a blessing. So here's God's plan. Here's God's plan to accomplish bringing blessing to all the families of the earth. He says, I'm going to create a community or a nation of blessing. I'm going to create a whole community that will bring this blessing to the world. That's what God's plan is. Now, the whole rest of the Bible is about, is about this taking place, but you fast forward thousands of years and you get to Jesus. You get to Jesus and Jesus says, when he arrives, he says, I'm the one now that's going to make this happen. That God's plan has always been to bring blessing to the world through a community. And Jesus shows up and says, I'm going to build that community. Jesus shows up and says, I'm going to build the community that will bring blessing to the world. And Jesus dies and he resurrects. And when he comes back, he talks to his disciples and he tells them how this has always been God's plan, how it's always been God's intention. Let me read this to you. This is talking about Jesus. It says, this is after he died and rose again. He said, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, that's all the Old Testament. That was kind of shorthand for all the Old Testament. So everything written about me and the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, so Jesus is saying, look, all of this, all of this book was about me and what I was going to do. And he opens their minds to understand what God's plan has been, what God's purpose has been. And he doesn't use the word blessing here, but, but you can see what he's saying. Listen, he says, thus it's written, so in all the Old Testament, that the Christ should suffer, talking about himself, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. You get that word again, right? So that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Here's what Jesus says. He says the whole Bible, it's written that Jesus is going to come, that he's going to suffer, that he's going to die, and then it's also written that the message is also in the whole Old Testament that what God's purpose is, is to bring to all the nations repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, that's, that's kind of shorthand, but another way to talk about the blessing is to say that, look, God wants to undo what has happened with sin. God wants to undo the curse that has happened with sin and instead bring blessing in the whole. Jesus is saying, look, the entire Old Testament, it's written that what's going to happen is God's blessing, God's forgiveness is going to come to all the nations. And then you get to Paul, and Paul talks about this, and he specifically links what God said to Abraham to what Jesus has done. He says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So who's this, who, who is Abraham's nation that God is building? And Paul says, it's those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture for seeing that God would justify or make right the Gentiles, all those that weren't uh, Jews, Abraham's immediate family, the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, here's what, 
Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, who are the people that God was even talking about in the beginning when he promises to Abraham to make him into this community of blessing? Who's the people that God was talking about? And Paul says, those who are of faith are the ones that are blessed. He says, God preached the gospel to Abraham. God told Abraham, good news, through you the whole world will be blessed. Jesus says the entire Old Testament scriptures are about the fact that God will bring forgiveness to the nations, that blessing will come to the nations. And Paul says, who who are the people that have received this now? Who are the ones that have received this blessing? Paul says, those who are of faith are blessed. That if you've been connected to Jesus, that's what it means, those who are of faith. If you've been connected to Jesus, you're now connected to this promise that was given to Abraham. That you can experience God's blessing, or the way Jesus says it, God's forgiveness. And you can experience the relational presence of God. Paul says, those who are of faith. But here's, here's the important thing to understand. If we receive this blessing from God, we also receive the same commission that Abraham had, which was to be blessed so that we bless the nations. See, if we receive the blessing, here's how one scholar says that if we receive the blessing of Abraham, we receive the commission of Abraham. If we receive the blessing of Abraham, which is what Paul says, that we receive the relational presence of Abraham, if we receive that promise that God gave to Abraham, we also receive the call that God gave to Abraham. And that's exactly what Jesus then does. See, when Jesus leaves, here's what he says. Jesus came to his disciples and said to them, this is right as Jesus is going uh, back to be with God the Father. He says, all authority, <clears throat> excuse me, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now look how similar this actually is to what God said to Abraham. Go, he told Abraham, go, go therefore and make disciples of who? Of all nations, baptizing them. And that's creating a community, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is the very commission that God gave to Abraham. It is to go, to go, and to do what? To go to all the nations and preach to them so that they, so that they experience the relational presence of God, that they are baptized into his name. That is a community that is now experiencing God's relational presence presence. Or another way that Jesus says this even more simply is Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus says, God sent me here to create a community of blessing. God sent me here. God sent me here to bring God's relational presence, to bring God's blessing into your life. And as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Or we could say, as the Father sent Abraham, now I'm sending you in the same way. This is where the title of this series comes from, Sent. See, how does God accomplish his purpose? God's purpose is to bless this world, to bring his relational presence and goodness and grace and affection and approval into people's lives, into the brokenness that you experience, into the brokenness that the world experiences, to bring blessing. But how does he do it? The strategy from the very beginning has been to create a community that is blessed that then sees itself as giving that blessing to others. A community that is blessed and then says, I will go to the nations to bring that blessing to them. Because God's heart is never just to take one person and say, I want you to experience blessing. But it's to say, I bless you, like what he said to Abraham, so that you will be a blessing. 
I was sent to you so that you would be sent to others. I came to you and gave you my relational presence so that you would go and have others experience my relational presence. This has been the story of the Bible from the very beginning, which means the way that God accomplishes his purpose is through us now. That we are God's strategy to bring blessing to the world. Do you hear that? That you are God's strategy to bring blessing to the world. That the, if you think, man, God has a heart to, to heal brokenness in this world, and God has a heart to bring his relational presence into this world, that's correct. But how does he do it? He doesn't do it by magic. He doesn't just show up and, and kind of throw God pixie dust on people. He, he actually has a plan. He has a plan where he says, I create a community that is blessed that then goes and blesses. You see, we are God's strategy. Jesus, if you're a Christian, Jesus has saved you. He is your savior. But Jesus is not just your savior. He is your sender. If you're a Christian, Jesus, many Christians use this language to say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And if, if you're a Christian, that's true. Jesus is your Lord, meaning he's your king. He's, he, your life is to be controlled by him, and he's your Savior. He has saved you. He's your Lord and Savior, but he's your Lord and sender also, Jesus says. Because, see, we're not just supposed to experience salvation and say, this is great, I've been saved. We are supposed to be blessed and experience blessing and then give blessing. This is what God did with Abraham. This is what Jesus says the whole Old Testament was about. This is what Jesus says he comes and creates this new community to bring blessing. See, you are saved and sent. You are saved and sent. And what this means is if you are a Christian, that you have experienced something about who God is. You've experienced his grace in your life in some ways. You've experienced him bring community into your life, maybe, in some ways. You've experienced him bring comfort into your life in some ways. You've experienced him bring forgiveness into your life, maybe, in some ways, or help in your life. There's some things that you go, man, I feel like God has come to me in some ways. And he says, yes, and now I want you to bring that to others. I don't want you to just sit and go, this is great, but I bless you so that you will be a blessing. Now, this is easy to miss. It's easy to miss because a lot of times, if you're a Christian, we can think that, man, what it means to be a Christian is, like, if you just think about, okay, I'm a Christian, right? What does it mean to be a Christian? We can think, well, you know what it means, or kind of the way it lives, it's, the way it plays itself out in my life is I, I want to grow. You might think about that. Like, how, 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 is, how am I supposed to live the Christian life? What does that mean? You might think, well, I'm supposed to grow spiritually. Well, yeah, that's true. Or, or you might think, man, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Okay, yeah, that's true. Or, or you might think that, man, okay, I'm a Christian, and, and how is that going to play itself out in my life? Maybe it's I, I want to read the Bible or pray or kind of do some of those sort of spiritual things. Or, or maybe it's kind of more around as you kind of get older and you start to have kids. You kind of think about Christian in terms of family values, and so you worry about maybe these things or this movie or this idea or this thing. And you kind of, Okay, what it means to be a Christian is to have good, strong family values. That's, that's kind of how I'm playing it out in my life. And all those things can be true to some extent. But what Jesus says is, here's, look, here's what's supposed to now be the undercurrent of your life or the flow of your life or the direction of your life. It's that I've saved you and now I send you. That I've blessed you 
And now our calling is to be a blessing because God says, I want to bless the world and you're my strategy. You see, to be a Christian or to be a part of God's family is not just to experience God's blessing. It is that. But to be a Christian is not just to experience God's blessing. God wants so many good things for you. And, I mean, really, he does. He wants you to have, to have friends, and he wants you to have um, a, a sense of deep forgiveness and your identity changed, and he wants you to have a community. He wants so many good things for you. But he also wants to do things through you. He wants you to be blessed, to be a blessing. Now, here, here's what this means. This is not an optional, if you're a Christian, this is not an optional thing for us. If you're a Christian, it's not an optional thing to say, do I really want to be a part of bringing God's blessing into the world, of, of bringing God's relational presence into the world, of using some of the other language here, of bringing God's forgiveness into the world, of making disciples into the world? Do I really want to be a part of that? Is that just kind of for, maybe it's for that guy on the stage, or, or maybe it's for kind of really, really awesome Christians or something, but, you know, I'm kind of just living my life. But it means it's not an option for us. It means it's something that if you say, I've experienced the blessing of God, I've been saved by God, that you immediately are brought into this commission that Jesus has given, that God gave to Abraham, that Jesus gave to all of his disciples to be sent to bring that to others. It means it's not just God's plan in this world, but it's our purpose. It means it's not just some plan that God has to bring blessing to the world or forgiveness to the nations or to bring his relational presence to people that are experiencing brokenness and, and struggle. It, it, doesn't, it means it's not just God's plan, but it's our purpose. You see, Jesus loves and cares for people in this world, in Denver, in your life. And he loves and cares for you. And he wants people to experience blessing. And he invites us to be a part of it with him. He invites us to be a part of it with him. He says, look, I, 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 want, I want you to experience so much in me, but I also want everything that I do for you to come from you. I want everything I do to you to come through you. I want everything that I have blessed you with to then be the source of you blessing others. This is this is how God accomplishes his purpose. We are God's strategy to bring this blessing into people's lives. Finally, what does this mean for how we live then? What does it mean for how we live? If this is what God wants to do and the way that he does it is, is through us as his strategy, then what does this mean for, for how we actually live? And, and this is just kind of the intro to this series. We're going to talk about some of the different ways that this means of how, how do we actually take that seriously as a community to be a part of being a blessing, to be a part of God bringing his relational presence to people. But, but, but let me give you a few things to think about. First, it means simply this, is just everything we've been talking about, it means that we must embrace that. I mean, it means that we have to start just at kind of a convictional level to say, do, I mean, let me just ask you this. You don't need to answer it out loud, but do you embrace that truth? And Jesus says the entire Old Testament was about this. Jesus says all of his disciples are now sent to be a part of this. Paul says that we, have, we are the sons of Abraham, and Jesus says we have the commission of Abraham. So 
My question for you is this, do you embrace that? Do you embrace that part of what it means for you to be a Christian is to say, I am God's strategy to bring blessing to the world. I am God's strategy to bring his relational presence to the people in my life. I am God's strategy. I am God's strategy to bring forgiveness and joy into people's lives. I am God's strategy. Do you embrace that that is true for you? You know, what's interesting is the the passage that we looked at in Matthew, that's called the Great Commission. If you've been around the church, maybe, maybe you've heard that before, but But the sad thing is this, that though Jesus says we are his strategy to bring this about and we are the ones that are called to bring his relational presence to others, many people do not embrace this at all or don't even know about it. Uh, Some research came out, I think this was from last year, and says, churchgoers, have you heard of the Great Commission? This is a massive study done in 2017, a year ago, October 2017. So 51% of people say they've never even heard about what we just talked about. Think about half of God's, half of people that go to church, half of people that would say, I I have received blessing from God, say, I have no idea that I'm even supposed to be a part of giving this to others. I I mean, 25% say yes, but I can't really recall the exact meaning, which is just language for saying no. Uh, (laughs) It's like when someone's like, hey, have you heard of that French philosopher? And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, what did he say? I, I don't know, something wee-wee or I don't know, you know. <laughs> Sorry if you're French. I'm not trying to offend anybody. Same thing, I'm not sure, 6%. Basically, all those people say no, okay? 17% say yes, and it means this. I think about that. I, I put this up here because, I mean, this is really important to think about. God says, my strategy to bring blessing to all the brokenness in people's lives my strategy to bring blessing to all the hurt and pain in people's lives is my community. And only 17% say that they've even heard about that and know what it means. Or here, here's another one. Uh, this is in 1990, so this is Christians, what Christians believe about evangelism, which means sharing about the good news of Jesus, okay? Sharing about that God wants to bring grace into people's lives and forgiveness into people's lives and who he is and all uh, kind of the stuff we just talked about. So Christians that have actually talked to another person about their faith, so this is Christians that have actually talked about Jesus to other people. In 1993, in 1993, I'll just, I'll just look at this one. 89% of Christians, so I like these colors because they kind of look like 1993, but in 1993, think about back, back, if you were around in 1993, maybe you were watching Rugrats or maybe you were, you know, I don't know, maybe you were having kids back then, I, mean, I don't know, whatever age you are, but back then, right, 20 plus years ago, 25 years ago or something like that, I don't know, I'm not great in math, somewhere back then, every Christian has a responsibility to share their faith. 89% said, absolutely. Okay, so in 93, everyone was listening to their Walkman and said, we're supposed to share our faith. Okay? Now, fast forward to today. 89% of Christians who shared their faith agreed. Today, only 64% say so, which is a 25-point drop. So think about in the last couple decades, less and less people are saying that they have any responsibility to be a part of that. Now, I think that that's only going to continue to increase. And I think that 
it's interesting because for many Christians, not all Christians, but for many Christians, and I, I know that probably many of you in here would agree with this, you kind of look at our world today and you would go, man, it's, you know, it's hard to be a Christian. You know, may, maybe people think you're kind of weird for what you believe. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you're like, yeah, you get me. Yeah, okay, so, I mean, and there's a lot of weird things. But you go, man, it's kind of hard to be a Christian today, and maybe our world feels less and less Christian, and it's how do we raise kids in a world like this? And, and a lot of people kind of feel that tension. But it's interesting that the very means that God has provided to say that he wants to bring people into his family, more and more Christians are actually saying, I don't, but it's not even my responsibility. So draw that logic out, what happens? If the same, if there's another 25% drop and another 25% drop, I mean, what happens? It's a bunch of Christians complaining about the world around us and yet saying, but it's not my issue. It's not my problem. It's not something I'm supposed to be a part of. Yeah, I'm so, I mean, it's so great that God's blessed me. It's so great that God has done things in my life. And man, look at all those people, all those people that don't love God, all those people causing all these issues, all these people do it. Man, that's, that's awful. And yet feel no sense of responsibility to actually bring God's blessing into those people's lives. Feel no sense of responsibility to actually say, God wants you to know him. God wants you to know his grace, his approval. God wants his relational presence to be in your life. You see, what does it mean for how we live? It starts with this. Do you embrace the truth that God told to Abraham that you've received the blessing of Abraham, that Jesus said that I have sent you? Do you receive, do you embrace the truth that you have been sent by Jesus? Do you embrace the reality that you are God's strategy to bring blessing to the nations? Starting here where you are. Do you embrace that reality? That's where it begins. Second is that we, we must confess and commit, and I can just kind of put those together. See, if you say, maybe I, maybe I haven't embraced this, and maybe you say, oh, I've embraced it up here, but your life doesn't look like that then that doesn't mean you've really embraced it. Let me, let me just ask you another question as you think about confess. So first, you need to embrace it. Second is you need to confess and commit. Like here, here's where you know if you need to confess. Can you name people in your life that you are proactively seeking to do this to? Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I've sent you. And if Jesus were to show up today and say, hey, remember when I sent you? Who, who are the people that you're doing this for? Would you be able to give answers to that? Would you be able to give names for that? And Jesus told his disciples, hey, I've called you to make disciples. And if Jesus then showed up to you and said, who are you making disciples of? Could you answer that question? And God told Abraham, I've, 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 I've created you as a community of blessings so that you will be a blessing to others. Blessing meaning bringing his relational presence, or as we see now in Jesus, bringing Jesus, who is God's presence, into people's lives. So if God said to you, hey, I blessed you so that you would bring my relational presence into other people's lives, who are you, I just want to check, who are you doing that to? Could you give an answer to that question? You see, it starts with we embrace this, but second is this. Look, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. It starts with saying, okay, I need to confess and commit. To confess to say, God, I actually haven't been a part of that. 
Like, I've received your blessing. I've received your saving. But I haven't been a part of then giving that. God, forgive me. Look, I mean, we've got a Savior, which means that he forgives. So I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about it, but it's just to say, okay, maybe you're in that giant, you know, 51 to 75% of people that say, I've never even heard about that. Okay. So you didn't even know. And, and you say, okay, so God, I, I didn't, I haven't, I've received so much from you and I haven't given. So it can start, it can start with embracing and then confession and committing to say, but now I do want to be a part of this. God, help me to be a part of, I, I want to be a part of bringing your blessing and your relational presence into people's lives. To say, God, I want to do that. And the reason I'm even phrasing it that way is not just saying that you say to yourself, I'm going to do this, but God, I want to be a part of that is because it's something that you should talk to him about. That it should be a prayer of confession and a prayer of commitment to say, God, I want to give what you've given me. You've forgiven me. I want to be a part of helping others experience your forgiveness. You've given me your love. I want to be a part of bringing your love to others. You've, you've spoken your, your words about, about your approval and your acceptance. I want to bring that into other people's lives. You've loved me and served me and given me a community. I want to bring that to other people. See, so, so many people, and this is just what, it, it really it saddens my heart. Many people view what it means to be a Christian as just an individual thing of I receive information and knowledge and I'm growing and I'm learning and I go to church but they view themselves as church goers, not necessarily as people that are a part of a community sent to bring blessing to others. Maybe that's a question for you too. When you look at your Christian life, is it mainly, here's kind of how it lives itself out. I'm trying to be a good person and go to church. Or is it, no, I'm actually an invested part of a family. I'm a part of a family where I'm invested in a community who is focused on bringing God's blessing to others and all the ways that it plays out. You know, if you were here during the announcements, Sarah mentioned that we have a membership class coming up. And this isn't the only thing, but it's a part of it. See, because what we believe that membership is, is being an invested part of the family. It's saying, I'm not just someone that receives blessing and says, this is great. But I'm someone that says, I want to be a part of giving that. I want to not just receive, but I want to actually be a part of creating a community that brings God's blessing to the city of Denver and to my neighbors and friends and coworkers. And I would just encourage you, if you're not a member, to see this as part of God's strategy and inviting you into being a part of this with him. And then third, it means this. It means pressing into community. See, because God's plan was never just isolated people. He didn't just tell Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. He said, I'm going to bless you and turn you into a nation, turn you into a community. And then Jesus comes along and says, I'm creating a community. That's part of what baptism is. To be baptized is to enter into a community of people. That was, the, that was like the initiation or the hazing rite to get into the community. And Jesus says, I, I'm creating communities that will now be blessings to the nations. And see, what this means for then how we live our life is to press into community. God's plan is never blessing a bunch of isolated individuals. God's plan is to create a community of blessing. And so here, here's what this means for you. If, if you're not in a community group, I would encourage you to get in a community group if you're in a community group. But it's kind of, you know, you're not really pushing into that. 
I would say, man, really invest yourself in that community and say, let me be a part of this community, being a blessed community and bringing that blessing to others. And maybe, 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 maybe this is you. Maybe, maybe you're not even a Christian or you're not sure kind of what you believe or you haven't been in church in a long time. And you say, I want to be a part of a community of blessing. Like if that's what God's heart is, God's heart is to create a community of blessing and, and, and to bless me. Man, I just want you to know that's what we want for you. If you're not a Christian or, or you haven't been to church in a long time, we, I would just invite, man, we want you to be a part of a community where you experience God's blessing in all the ways that God intends for that to be. This is what it means for our lives. It's to embrace this, it's to confess and to commit and to push into community. And like I said, we'll talk about a bunch more things in the coming weeks. But when we, when we live into this, this is when we start to come alive. When we live into this, it's when we start to come alive. Uh, there's a pastor, author that I respect named Tim Keller, and he, uh, he says that maybe, maybe and I, this isn't the only thing, okay, but, but he says, look, maybe if you're not experiencing joy in your life, it's because you're not a part of God's mission or not a part of God's purpose. And I think that's true because take it away even from this. I mean, you, everybody knows when you're experiencing purpose in your life, you experience joy, right? That if you have a deep sense of purpose, there's a deep sense of joy. But the Bible says this is God's purpose, and the way that you can experience the most purpose is by connecting your purpose to his purpose. And if purpose and joy kind of go hand in hand, then the deepest purpose will produce the deepest joy. And look, this might be what you need to hear because maybe you go through your life and maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian and, and it just kind of feels dry to you. Like you're like, okay, I try to pray. I try to read the Bible. I try to, but you're just not really... It's not clicking. There's not a lot of joy. Maybe there's a lot of boredom or just dryness. I mean, this might be why. Because when you connect with God's purpose, you begin to experience a deep sense of purpose, which produces a deep sense of joy. And all the things of faith begin to click. See, I can tell you this. Like, if you don't read your Bible very much, but then you start to say, man, I want to be a part of this. I want to start making disciples. I want to start being a part of bringing blessing. to." You're going to go, man, I need to read the Bible because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and, and maybe you don't pray very much, but then you start going out and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring blessing into people's lives. I'm going to make, and you go, I don't know. I need help. God, would you be with me? And then you do some stupid stuff and you go, God, forgive me. I need, I need you again to re remind me your grace. I'm trying to tell people about your grace. And God, remind me of your grace. Like you start to pray and you start to read the Bible and I mean, everything kind of starts to click and come together when there's, a, when there's a deeper sense of purpose. This is where you will come alive because it's what you're made for. Sometimes there's these movies. I was trying to think of an illustration, but the only one I could think of, which I was kind of embarrassed by, but I'll just say it anyway, was Anastasia. But uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of times, there's, I know there's a lot, a, this is a common theme in movies, but I couldn't think of anything cooler, so the only one I could think of was Anastasia, right? So... Um, there's a lot of movies where something happens where it's like somebody doesn't know who they are, right? And they're just kind of living this life. And then somebody comes to them and is like, no, you're actually the king or you're the princess, right? Uh, you're, you're actually the ruler. And they go, whoa, no way. And then everything, all of a sudden, their life totally shifts because they didn't know who they were. They didn't know who they were. And then now that they know who they are, 
their life is different. Like they were living their life kind of thinking, this is kind of boring, this is kind of humdrum. Then somebody tells them, yeah, but you know why? It's because you don't actually know who you are. You're, you're Anastasia. Well, here, here's what you need to hear if you're a Christian. Like you might be living your life and you're kind of like, okay, I don't know, this is Christianity, it's kind of boring and just, just supposed to be a good person and go to church and love people, okay. But, but Jesus would come along and say, no, that's not, look, you don't understand. I've sent you. You actually have a purpose. There's actually something you're a part of. I've blessed you to be a blessing. You're my strategy. That's who you are. You're, you are my strategy. And then all of a sudden, if Christians get that, they wake up. Go, wait a minute. I'm actually God's strategy? I'm at, whoa, there's a much bigger purpose that my life has. A much bigger part that you have to play in this world. See, when this begins to happen, you experience new levels of passion and joy and things come alive. So what happens if we embrace this? I mean, that, I, I kind of explain what happens with us individually, but also what happens is the world experiences blessing that God wants. The people in your life begin to experience God's blessing. Wouldn't our world be a better place? Wouldn't your friends' lives be better places if they knew the relational presence of God, his approval, his grace, his affection? Wouldn't things begin to change if, if we saw ourselves as a community that was blessed to bless, that was sent? This is what begins to happen. And we're going to take communion. And when we take communion, you know what we remember? We remember, the Bible says, that Jesus himself became cursed for us. I see, the world was under a curse, and Jesus said, I will become cursed for you. That Jesus went to the cross, and his body was broken, and his blood was shed, and he was cursed. He experienced all the weight and the brokenness of this world, and even the absence of blessing. The absence of the relational presence of God, because on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, on the cross, Jesus experienced the deepest, profound fullness of the curse so that we could experience blessing, so that we could experience God's full relational presence and never have to doubt that. That is what Jesus gave to us when we take communion. We remember he saved us. And we remember then he wants to save others. And so he sends us. Pray with me and we will sing a few songs and take communion in response to this God. Father, thank you for your love and your grace in our lives. I thank you that you want us to know you, to live fully experiencing your approval and your grace and your forgiveness. I thank you, God, that your heart in this world is to bring blessing. You want good for us. You want joy for us. I thank you that that is the God that you are and the God that we get to call Father. I pray as we take communion, even as we eat this bread and, and juice, that you would remind us of the curse that you took away for us so that we could have blessing. And as we sing, that you would let the truths just go deeper into our hearts, Jesus. And that we may give this to others. In your name we pray, amen.